You are listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's September 25th. Private health plans in the U.S. pay hospitals an average of 247% of what Medicare would pay for the same services at the same facilities. That's according to a new RAND analysis. The findings reveal a steady increase in hospital prices over the last three years, as well as wide variation in pricing among states. For example, Arkansas, Michigan, and Rhode Island had relative prices under 200% of what Medicare would have paid. But prices in other states, such as Florida, West Virginia, and South Carolina, were more than 325% of Medicare costs. This study draws on data from more than half of America's community hospitals. It provides the most detailed picture to date of what privately insured individuals pay for hospital services relative to what the government pays for those who are insured through Medicare. Lead author Christopher Whaley says, quote, Especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, employers need transparent information on the prices that they and their employees are paying for healthcare services. You can read the full study, plus check out an interactive map of hospital pricing across the U.S. at rand.org. February 19th. That's when the global spread of COVID-19 began increasing at an accelerating rate, according to estimates in a new RAND report. The date is exactly three weeks before the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. By the end of February, more than five cases of COVID-19 per day, almost 40 per week, were already being exported around the world. This is the latest insight from a RAND project that analyzes COVID-19 infections and air travel data to track the spread of the virus. Here are a few more findings from the project. Our researchers estimated that before the global spread increased markedly, by late January, one or two infected passengers per day were likely flying from China to international destinations. Around this time, it's also likely that the number of cases in China was 37 times higher than reported by Beijing. The researchers also concluded that the risk to countries in the Gulf Cooperation Council Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, the UAE, Qatar, Bahrain, and Oman was greater from outside the region than it was from Iran. This finding contradicts common narratives about how the virus was introduced. And finally, RAND researchers found that the near-term driver of COVID-19 risk in Africa is actually the flow of travelers from Western Europe. This reverses the traditional view that Epidemiological threats have flowed from Africa and into the developed world. Developing a safe and effective vaccine is only one part of a successful immunization campaign to stop the COVID-19 pandemic. In a new paper, RAND researchers examined two less obvious challenges. First, what if manufacturers, distributors, and others in the supply chain are concerned about their legal liability for any adverse effects of the vaccine? Such concerns could inhibit global distribution of COVID-19 vaccines. In fact, history shows that this has happened before. 
Other fast-moving large-scale vaccination programs have stalled when pharmaceutical companies were reluctant to begin production because of perceived risks of lawsuits over side effects and other adverse medical consequences. The second potential challenge is concerns among potential recipients of a vaccine. If individuals are worried about not being compensated in the event that they do incur health problems from the COVID-19 vaccine, then this could affect public willingness to be inoculated. How might these potential issues be addressed? On the issue of liability, manufacturers and distributors are largely protected from being sued in a U.S. courtroom for claims related to personal injuries or deaths arising from a COVID-19 vaccine. However, American companies in the vaccine supply chain may still face litigation risks in other countries. Addressing this problem will likely require further discussion to reach some kind of international agreement. As for easing concerns among the general public, a compensation program could help ensure that people will not skip out on the vaccine for fear of having to shoulder the full financial burden of any negative side effects. The authors of the new RAND paper conclude that, quote, The least that policymakers and the public can do is carefully consider what types and levels of compensation for any adverse effects of vaccination are truly fair and appropriate. Nearly 40,000 Americans died from gun-related injuries in 2017, more than any other year on record. To better understand what policies could help save lives, RAND researchers evaluated three common gun laws that focus on how people use, carry, and store their firearms, child access prevention laws, right-to-carry laws, and stand-your-ground laws. The findings suggest that if states put the most restrictive combination of these policies into effect, they could see a small but meaningful reduction in firearm deaths. For instance, in Georgia, which currently has the least restrictive combination of these policies, moving to the most restrictive combination is estimated to reduce firearm deaths by 11%. This study is part of RAND's Gun Policy in America initiative, which seeks to establish a shared set of facts that will improve public discussions and support the development of fair and effective gun policies. To learn more and to see what this new evidence means for gun policy in your state, visit rand.org slash gun policy. In May and June, Rand surveyed U.S. teachers about their students' internet access at home. Half of all respondents said that all or nearly all of their students had access. But this response was much less common among teachers in towns and rural areas, in schools that serve more students of color, and in high-poverty schools. The gap is particularly stark when comparing high-poverty and low-poverty schools. Only 30% of teachers in high-poverty schools reported that all or nearly all of their students had internet access, compared with 83% of teachers in low-poverty schools. The data suggests that poverty is a huge predictor of home internet access, and that, according to teachers' responses, students in high-poverty homes were much less likely to have access to the internet in some states compared with others. RAND researchers say that policymakers should consider ways to bring internet access and devices to every household during this challenging school year. 
And because the digital needs of kids in high-poverty schools in some states are particularly dire, urgent action may need to be taken. Otherwise, existing inequities will only get worse. People experiencing homelessness rely on cell phones the way everyone else does, to stay connected to family and friends and to the world. But they also use devices to find food and shelter, access health care and social services, and navigate public transit. What could be done to improve mobile connectivity for this group? According to Rand Sarah Hunter and Rajiv Ramshan and Benjamin Henwood of USC, it's time to once again reconsider what it means to provide universal phone service, which has been an established public policy in the U.S. since the 1930s. Even though universal phone service has been expanded in recent years to provide free cell phones and services to those who need them, charging those devices can be an obstacle. Access to Wi-Fi remains a problem, too. That's why it's so important to explore options to provide free public Wi-Fi zones and ways for people experiencing homelessness to charge their devices regularly, just like everyone else does. These measures could help increase access to important services like healthcare and employment, and to personal or family networks. Ultimately, it could lead to better overall quality of life for society's most vulnerable. Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. And keep an eye on this podcast feed for a special bonus episode of Policy Currents next week.